6640. Your future lies in 6640. 66 books by 40 authors, and yet we now discover it's an integrated message system from outside our time domain. Welcome to 6640, the ministry outreach of Koinonia House and Koinonia Institute. Today's Bible teacher is Dr. Chuck Missler, connecting the Bible to your life and the world around you. In today's study, Dr. Missler completes his teaching on the book of 1 Kings, chapters 1 and 2. It's pretty clear that David apparently is confined to his bed. That's the, that's the perception we have here. And she certainly treats him like a king by bowing and so forth and all of that. Uh, and of course, he explains, invites her to go ahead and tell her tale. And she goes on and says, and speaking about Niger, he hath slain oxen and fat cattle and sheep in abundance and hath called all the sons of the king and Abiathar the priest and Joab the captain of the host. But Solomon his servant hath he not called. And thou, my lord, O king, the eyes of all Israel are upon thee that thou shouldest tell them who shall sit on the throne of my lord the king after him. Otherwise it shall come to pass when my lord the king shall sleep with his fathers, that I and my son Solomon shall be counted offenders. And lo, while she yet talked with the king, Nathan the prophet also came in. Now what's not obvious until you stand back and watch this whole story, when Nathan comes in, she apparently retreats. That's, that's the etiquette. In other words, now Nathan is the is the big gun here, the Nathan, Nathan the prophet. He's a, he's a, he's a heavy, and she appropriately apparently uh, retreats. I couldn't resist in my commentary in, in notes here this idea that you know she and her son Solomon counted offenders. You know this is a practice that seems to be abandoned in current politics, which of course raises acute questions of accountability in our own system of government. But I won't get into that here. And anyway, the low watch you talk with the king, Nathan the prophet, also came in and they told the king, saying, Behold, Nathan the prophet. And when he was come in before the king, he bowed himself before the king with his face to the ground. And Nathan said, My lord, O king, hast thou said, Adonijah shall reign after me, and he shall sit upon my throne? He's obviously baiting him here. For he has gone down this day, and hath slain oxen and fat cattle and sheep in abundance, and hath called the, all the king's sons and the captains of the host to buy out the priest, and behold, they eat and drink before him, and they say, God save king Adonijah. But me, even me, thy servant, and Zadok the priest, and Benaniah the son of Jehida, uh, and thy servant Solomon, hath he not called? Is this thing done by my lord the king? And thou hast not showed it to thy servant, who should sit on the throne of my lord the king after him? Well, David picked up on all of this. David the king answered and said, Call me Bathsheba. See, she apparently had absented herself, but she now comes back in. She came unto kings, the king's presence, stood before the king, and the king sware, and said, get this, as the Lord liveth that hath redeemed my soul out of all distress, even as I swear unto thee by the Lord God of Israel, saying, Assuredly, Solomon thy son shall reign after me, and he shall sit upon my throne in my stead, even so will I certainly do this day. So David's going to grab the bull by the horns, as we might say, and just nail this right now. In other words, he's not going to wait for his death. He's going to establish Solomon on the spot right here. You have to give this guy credit. You know, it's amazing how many tragedies in history occur by inaction, not moving quickly enough, not being decisive. I heard an expression many years ago that weak men hurt people. When you have a leader, there are times when it's time to act. 
And, and uh, we could go through recent history of presidents that didn't act decisively and result in millions killed. I stopped wearing my Naval Academy ring when Jimmy Carter was president because of, of his well-intended but uh, uh, clumsiness and, and, and indecisiveness, which caused over a million six hundred thousand people getting. And I won't get to it. Anyway, the point is, David acts decisively here, and uh, so, and he also confirms that he had, you know, promised this to Bathsheba. And so, I'll certainly do this day, he says. Then Bathsheba bowed with her face to the earth and did reverence to the king and said, Let my lord the king live forever. And of course, those are euphemisms you're all familiar with. Live forever, of course, is, it's an expression of courtesy. And, uh, and this, this feast that's going on is going on while they're talking to him. See, you can't mess around and say, I'm going to have my staff people study this thing or whatever. <laughs> it's going on down there. You, you, I, I'm not saying you can hear the roar of the crowd through the window, but it's, it's, it's not far away and it's a big to-do going on. So he, David had to act at once. And it's interesting, Nathan doesn't embarrass the king by reminding him of his promise. He says, is this what you intended or not? And of course, that David you know, nails it. He invoked the sacred name of Jehovah, or Yahweh, or however you want to say it, the very living God that delivered David out of all his troubles. So all debate was immediately ruled out of order. You see, the decisiveness there really impresses me. There's a time to act, and he really did. Now, as the Lord liveth, by the way, it might be interesting that that, that phrase occurs 14 times in First and Second Kings. I wouldn't make a big thing of it, but I think it's interesting. There's evidence of design all through the scriptures, but I won't beat that horse here. Now, David could not have more forcefully guaranteed what would be happening here. He did as strong as, uh, as strong as you can imagine. Okay, from verse 32, he start, David starts giving instructions. Notice he's just starting to issue orders here. King David said, call me Zadok the priest, and Nathan the prophet, and Benaiah the son of Behaidah. You got the priest, you got the prophet, and you got the head of the police. Okay? And they came before the king, and the king said, I'll send unto them, take with you the servants of your Lord, and cause Solomon, my son, to ride upon my own mule and bring him down to Gihon. That's the rival fountain. There's two fountains in those days that fed Jerusalem the water. And Rogo is where the other one is. They took Gihon, which is the, actually the more primary uh, place in Scripture. They're going to have their own you know, demonstration there. And let Zadok the priest and Nathan the prophet anoint him there king over Israel. And blow ye with the trumpet and say, God save King Solomon. Now that's, uh, the, this trumpet thing is important. By the way, when Benaiah is in charge of the Carathites and Pelathites were like the palace guard. So it's sort of like the Praetorian in a sense, okay? Now by this, it, using David's personal mule was significant to the people. And because it was designated as his personal mule and that, that has a profound ceremonial significance here. Now, by the way, Gihon Springs is about one-half mile north and directly east of Jerusalem, just outside the city wall. And Rolo Springs is southeast of Jerusalem, not far from the city wall, where Adonijah So it's very likely that you could probably hear the roar of one feast from the other area. These places are not that far removed, if you will. Now, Zadok the priest and Nathan are the official guys here. See, there's no prophet in Adonijah's camp. Nathan is with, with Solomon here. So Nathan's presence underscores Zadok's presence as, as this is the official issue. Now the trumpets announced that uh, Solomon had legally taken the throne of his father even before his father's death is the point. I'm sure that's something Adonijah had not anticipated. Solomon commenced his rule at that moment. This official seating on the throne was, uh, to, was perceived not just as a simple symbolic act. He says, sit upon my throne and so forth. And uh, so he was over, ruled over both Israel and Judah. When he says over Israel and over Judah, it's interesting Either that's colored because of the subsequent events or probably already you could sense a division in the cultures. We find that phrase several times in Samuel and here. 
you begin to sense that when the, when Jeroboam finally has his his rebellion after Solomon dies, his rebellion against Rehoboam, uh, that that was probably a, a playing out of tensions that have already started here between Judah. When it says Judah, it really means Judah and Benjamin because they were sort of and, and Simeon they were sort of amalgamated, and and the northern tribes which were as a group, sometimes idiomatically mentioned as Ephraim, but it's really the whole northern group. Anyway, Benaiah, the son of Jehida, answered the king and said, Amen, the Lord God of my Lord, the king, say so too. And the Lord hath seen, uh, been with my Lord, the king, even so be he with Solomon, and make his throne greater than the throne of my Lord, King David. Pretty exciting stuff, actually. And here's the military voice being heard. And then Zadok, so Zadok the priest, and Nathan the prophet, and Benaiah, the son of Jehida, and the Cherethites and Pelethites went down and caused Solomon to ride upon King David's mule and brought him to Gihon. And Zadok the priest took a horn of oil out of the tabernacle and anointed Solomon. And they blew the trumpet, and all the people said, God save King Solomon. And all the people came up after him, and the people piped with pipes and rejoiced with great joy, so the earth rent with the sound of them. And Adonijah and all the priests that were with him heard, <laughs> heard it as they made an end of eating. You picture this guy, a nice guy, this rebellious group there, and they're having a feast. You can hear them setting down their forks, so to speak. And what's all that noise, you know? And when Joab heard the sound of the trumpet, uh-oh, he said, Wherefore is this noise of the city being in an uproar? It's getting their attention. <laughs> and while he yet spake, behold, Jonathan, the son of Abiathar, the priest, came. And Adonijah said unto him, Come in, for thou art a valiant man, and bring us good tidings. And Jonathan answered and said unto Adonijah, Verily, our Lord King David hath made Solomon king. Whoops. Uh, you, could, you know, a director of a movie can have fun with this scene. I mean, you can just, you know, Adonijah, he's got, um, what do you, what we usually say, egg on his face or something? Um, and the king hath sent uh, with him Zadok, oh, he's continuing now, and the king hath sent with him Zadok the priest and Nathan the prophet, See, you've got to realize those are the top guys. Zadok is the priest, uh, and Nathan is the prophet. And Benaiah is the head of the Praetorian Guard, if you will, so to speak. Uh, son of Jida, and, and he's, the, he's the son of Jida, and the Cherethites and Pelethites, those are the tribes that are, are the special guard. And they have caused him to ride upon the king's mule. You see, these are all underlining the, the official aspect of what's just happened. And Zadok the priest and Nathan the prophet have anointed him king in Gihon. And they come up from thence rejoicing, so that the city rang again. This is the noise that ye have heard. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> and also Solomon sitteth on the throne of the kingdom. Now that gives Adonijah a real problem, because he's now guilty of treason. Moreover, the king's servants came to bless our lord King David, saying, God, make the name of Solomon better than thy name, and make his throne greater than thy throne. And the king bowed himself upon the bed. In other words, they're extolling Solomon even above King David, and King David is acknowledging it. You know, that's, that's, that's stacking the chips, you know, against Adonijah. And also, thus said the king, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, which hath given one to sit on my throne this day, mine eyes even seeing it. Now, can you picture what the party is like with Adonijah? All the guests that were with Adonijah were afraid and rose up and went every man his way. They got out of there fast, hoping that no one's taking down license plates, whatever. Okay. And Adonijah feared because of Solomon and arose and went and caught hold on the horns of the altar. In other words, he headed off to the tabernacle, 
went into the tabernacle and grabbed uh, the altar had horns on all four corners, and that was his way of trying to find sanctuary on the theory that that might protect him. And it was told Solomon, saying, Behold, Adonijah feareth King Solomon. For lo, he hath caught hold on the horns of the altar, saying, Let King Solomon swear unto me to today that he will not slay his servant with the sword. And Solomon said, If he will show himself a worthy man, there shall not a hair of him fall to the earth. But if wickedness shall be found in him, he shall die. So King Solomon sent, and they brought him down from the altar. And he came and bowed himself to King Solomon. And Solomon said unto him, Go to thine house. And that's the end of that chapter. But we've got a little more to go. So let's go to the second chapter. Now the days of David drew nigh that he should die. And he charged Solomon his son, saying, I go the way of all the earth. Be thou strong, therefore, and show thyself as a man. Keep charge of the Lord thy God to walk in his ways and keep his statutes and his commandments and his judgments and his testimonies as it is written in the law of Moses that thou mayest prosper in all that thou doest and whithersoever thou turnest thyself. You may recall when Joshua takes the charge from Moses in uh, Joshua 1, verse 8, you know, this book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, for then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. Same kind of charge that Moses gave Joshua, David is giving Solomon. And while he does that, he prospers, but tragically, in the middle of it, from his late, late, his life, he goes apostate with tragic consequences. That the Lord may continue his word which he spake concerning me, saying, If thy children take heed to their way, to walk before me in truth with all their heart and with all their soul, there shall not fail thee a man on the throne of Israel. Moreover, thou knowest also, now he started giving some specifics here, thou knowest also what Joab, the son of Zeruiah, did to me, and what he did to the two captains of the hosts of Israel, unto Abner, the son of Ner, and unto Amasa, the son of Jether, whom he slew, and shed the blood of war in peace and put the blood of war upon his girdle that was upon his loins, and in his shoes that were on his feet. This is equivalent to saying he's got blood on his hands. And interestingly enough, he, he doesn't include you know the uh, Absalom thing here. He's, these other two guys, it was by deceit and inappropriate from David's point of view. So is Absalom, but that's a, sort of put in a different category. So what David says to him, Do therefore according to thy wisdom, and let not his whore head go down to the grave in peace. But show kindness to the sons of Barzillai, the Gileadite, and let them be of, the, of those that eat at thy table. For so they came to me when I fled because of Absalom and thy brother. When Absalom's rebellion, you may recall when David was in flight, the, the sons of Barzillai provided him substance. And we read that, we don't realize that was critical. Uh, they needed provisions, and, and he made their flight possible. And so he says... Uh, he wants Solomon to give them special honors because of that, have that endure. Thou hast with thee Shimei, the son of Gera, the Benjamite of Bahurim, which cursed me in the, with a grievous curse in the day when I went to Menahanim. But he came down to meet me at Jordan, and I swear to him by the Lord, saying, I will not put thee to death by the sword. Remember that? And I think it's very interesting because it's his descendants that yield Mordecai who saved the Jews in the days of Esther. Mordecai was a descendant of Shimei, so David's mercy there made, in a sense, echoes back when we get to the book of Esther. Contrarywise, Haman, the villain of the period of Esther, is a descendant of Agag, 
the king that Solomon was supposed to kill and didn't. But let's move on. Verse 9. Now therefore hold him not guiltless, for thou art a wise man and knowest what thou oughtest to do unto him. But his hoar head bring thou down to the grave with blood. Wow. See, David's got a problem because he promised he would not kill Shimei. But he's telling Solomon, in effect, you got a free hand, do what's proper. And Solomon handled this in a very interesting way. We'll see in a minute. So David slept with his fathers and was buried in the city of David. And the days that David reigned over Israel were 40 years. Seven years he reigned in Hebron, and 30 and 3 years reigned he in Jerusalem. And then sat Solomon up on the throne of David, his father, and the kingdom was established greatly. And Adonijah, the son of Haggith, came to Bathsheba, the son of Solomon. Here's a little incident. Now, that was a summary. David gives Solomon his instructions. But now we have a little interesting incident occur here. Bathsheba is is being uh, sort of moved into sort of what some people call a cat's paw situation. Adonijah, the son of Agith, came to Bathsheba, the mother of Solomon, and she said, Comest thou peaceably? He said, Peaceably. And he said, Moreover, I have somewhat to say unto thee. And she said, Say on. He said, Thou knowest that the kingdom was mine, and that all Israel set their faces on me, that I should reign. Howbeit, the kingdom is turned about, and has become my brother's, for it was his from the Lord." So he's sort of acknowledging this and yielding to it. He says, Now I ask but one petition of thee, deny me not. She said, Say on. He said, Speak, I pray thee unto Solomon, the king, for he will not uh, say thee nay, that he give me Abishag, the Shunammite, to wife. Now this sounds quite innocent. Shunammite's done her duty. David's dead now. She was the nurse. And uh, she's caught the eye of uh, Adonijah here, so he would like her to wife. But there's more to it than this, because she also was regarded as a concubine, a secondary wife to David. And for him taking that is sort of a perk, if you will. In any case, uh, uh, so it, it could be it could be dangerous. But Bathsheba isn't isn't sensitive to this apparently. She says, "Well, I will well I will speak for thee unto the king." So Bathsheba therefore went to King Solomon. Now King Solomon is no fool. We're going to he's a pretty sharp guy. Bathsheba therefore went to King Solomon to speak to him for Adonijah. And the king rose up to meet her and bowed himself unto her. Now isn't that interesting? When she went to David, she bowed to David. But Solomon is it's his mother. So he's showing her deference here. As the king rose up to meet her and bowed himself unto her. I think that's impressive. And sat down on his throne and caused a seat to be set for the king's mother. And she sat on his right hand. Then she said, I desire one small petition of thee. I pray thee, say me not nay. And the king said unto her, Ask on, my mother, for I will not say thee nay. And she said, Let Abishag the Shunammite be given to Adonijah thy brother to wife. Now, King Solomon answered and said unto his mother, And why dost thou ask Abishag the Shunammite for Adonijah? Ask for him the kingdom also, for he is mine elder brother even for him and for Abiathar the priest, and for Joab the son of Zariah. These are the conspirators, remember? Then King Solomon swore by the Lord, saying, God, do so to me, and more also, if Adonijah have not spoken this word against his own life. Solomon doesn't mess around. The very fact that this request has been advanced through Bathsheba, he obviously realizes that Adonijah put her up to it. And that's going to cost Adonijah his life. Solomon doesn't mess around. This is not a namby-pamby. He's not a wimp. It says, Now therefore is the Lord liveth, which hath established me, and set me on the throne of David my father, and who hath made me a house, as he promised, Adonijah shall be put to death this day. King Solomon sent by the hand of Benaiah, the son of Jehida, and he fell upon him that he died. 
See, Adonijah was lucky to be alive. He should have been probably killed because of the attempt to take the throne earlier. But he was spared until this little stunt. It sounds subtle to us, but it's a clever plot. And so he's maneuvering. He's playing games here. Now, see, part of, you have to get the picture. Abishag was really part of King David's harem. And so even though he had never had sexual relations with Abishag, she still had attained the, the, uh, the role of, of one of his uh, concubines. The idea of taking possession of a harem of a deceased king was equivalent to establishing a claim to the throne. That's developed by Kyle and others. There's more going on here that would meet the casual reader, if you will. So, see, Solomon realized that uh, the people might regard Abishag as a concubine and therefore interpret Adonai's uh, marriage to her as a claim to the throne. And uh, since Adonai was older than Solomon, and uh, they might assume that he had more right to be king than Solomon, you start creating a basis of descent, and uh, so on. So uh, it's amazing how often God uses a younger brother in his role. He did that with Abraham. He did it with Isaac and Jacob and Joseph and others. So he fell and died. Okay, in verse 26, And unto Abiathar the priest said the king, Get thee to Anathoth and thine own fields, for thou art worthy of this. See, Abiathar was also a priest. He wasn't the key priest like Zedek, but he was a priest. And he was uh, uh, worthy of death, as far as Solomon For thou art worthy of death. But I will not at this time put thee to death, because thou bearest the ark of the Lord before David, thy father, uh, my father, and because thou hast been afflicted in all wherein my father was afflicted. In other words, he had years of faithful service. So Solomon thrust out Abathar from being a priest unto the Lord that he might fulfill the word of the Lord which is spake concerning the house of Eli in Shiloh. You remember way back there that um, it was it was uh, prophesied, First uh, Samuel 2 roughly, that uh, the house of Eli was dismissed and would eventually devolve on Zedek. And so you can go back and uh, check the chart that we had there in Second Samuel 8 and those notes and so forth if you want to get into that. This little one statement here in uh, verse 27 uh, just is, is, is the chronicle, is an editorial comment to highlight so you link it up with a prophecy way back there in 1 Samuel 2 and 2 Samuel 8 and so forth. Anyway, then tidings came to Joab, for Joab had turned after Anijah. See, Joab's also one of these conspirators. And uh, so even though he hadn't turned against Absalom, he did turn after Anijah. So Joab fled to the tabernacle of the Lord and caught hold of the horns of the altar. And was told King Solomon that Joab was fled in the tabernacle of the Lord, and behold, he is by the altar. And then Solomon sent Benaiah, the son of Jehida, that's the head of his, 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 his you know, master at arms, if you will, saying, Go fall upon him. Benaiah came to the tabernacle of the Lord and said, And thus saith the king, Come forth. And he said, Nay, but I will die here. Benaiah thought the, brought the king word again, saying, Thus said Joab, and thus he answered me. And the king, Solomon, said to him, Do as he hath said, and fall upon him, and bury him, that thou mayest take away the innocent blood which Joab has shed from me and from the house of my father. And so the Lord shall return his blood upon his own head, who fell upon two men more righteous and better than he, and slew them with a sword, my father David not knowing thereof, to wit, Abner the son of Ner, and captive of the host of Israel, and Amasa the son of Jether, the captain of the host of Judah. And their blood shall therefore return upon the head of Joab and upon the head of his seed forever. But upon David, upon his seed, and upon his house, and upon his throne shall there be peace forever from the Lord. So Benaiah the son of Jehida went up, fell upon him, slew him, and he was buried in his own house in the wilderness. So that takes care of the execution of Joab. And the king put Benaiah the son of Jehida in his room over the host. And, uh, and Zedek the priest did the king put in the room of Biathar. And the king sent and called for Shimei and said unto him, Build thee a house in Jerusalem and dwell there and go not forth thence any whither. 
So, so Simei is spared his life if he'll do what Solomon tells him to do. Solomon goes on and says, For it shall be that on the day thou goest out and passest over the brook Kidron, thou shalt know for certain that thou shalt surely die. Thy blood shall be upon thine own head. Now, what's going on here? The brook of Kidron is the boundary between Judah and Benjamin. He's a Benjamite. And what he's saying, he's under house arrest. If you stay there, you'll be lived. But you cross that brook, you're dead meat. Because that would have political overtones, is the point. And Shimei said to the king, The saying is good, as my lord the king hath said, so will thy servant do. And so Shimei dwelt in Jerusalem many days, like about three years. Because in verse 39, it came to pass at the end of three years, two of the servants of Shimei ran away into Achish, the, uh, the son of Amekar, the king of Gath. And they told Shimei, saying, Behold, thy servants be in Gath. So Shimei rose, saddled his ass, and went to Gath, to Achish, to seek his servants. And Shimei went and brought his servants from Gath. Big mistake. This shows a disdain for uh, his, the authority of Solomon. And Solomon obviously had this place being watched because it was told Solomon that Shimei had gone from Jerusalem to Gath and was come again. And the king sent and called for Shimei and said unto him, Did not I make thee swear by the Lord and protested unto thee, saying, No for a certain, on the day thou goest out and walkest abroad any whither, that thou shalt surely die, and thou didst say unto me, The word that I have said is good. Why then hast thou not kept the oath of the Lord and the commandment that I have charged thee with? The king said, Moreover to Shimei, Thou knowest all the wickedness which thine heart is privy to, that thou didst to David my father. Therefore the Lord shall return thy wickedness upon thine own head. And King Solomon shall be blessed, and the throne of David shall be established before the Lord forever. So the king commanded Benaiah, the son of Jehida, which went out and fell upon him, and he died, and the kingdom was established in the hand of Solomon. So ends the chapter. Let's bow our hearts. Father, we thank you for your word. Uh, we ask you, Father, to help illuminate the lessons we should have. We do pray that we too uh, will be sensitive to your heart, Father, and responsive to your authority. And we thank you for your word as we commit ourselves in your hands in Jesus' name. Amen. You've been listening to 6640, the ministry outreach of Koinonia House and Koinonia Institute. Today's Bible teacher was Dr. Chuck Nussler, teaching through the book of 1 Kings. For a complete listing of resources available, please visit khouse.org. You can also call us on 1-800-K-HOUSE-1. To learn more about Koinonia Institute, visit koinoniainstitute.org. Thank you for listening to 6640 and for your continued prayerful support of this ministry. Until next time, as we continue this series, may God bless you with the knowledge of His Son, Jesus Christ, as you study His Word.